You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. What's going on? Welcome to your Monday. Matt Miguez here on Crunch Time. You're listening to the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. My producer and co-host who, you know, the, the way I like to put it is just got himself a good old-fashioned butt-whooping. It's Mr. James Mesh. James, bud, why, why can't you beat me? I beat you before. I beat you many times in many different things. You you beat me in that one fantasy league that I'm 1-10 in. Ten in. Congratulations and to I, you. And I beat you multiple times in Madden. Oh. And we and I've schooled you in many different things of us doing the Miguez versus Mesh series. Many different things? Was it many? It was a lot more than you beat me. I don't know. I beat you twice. Uh-huh, and I beat you four or five times. We didn't do that many challenges. I beat you in the mini hoop. Yeah, you beat me in the sack race. Sack race. The uh, home run derby. Well, that doesn't technically count because everybody partaked in that. And you still lost. I mean, uh, that's fair. But <laughs> Okay, so you beat me in three things while I beat you the, in two? The, uh, the combine. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that's four. Okay, regardless... <laughs> That that point is moot. We've already had our our fun about the Miguez versus Mesh challenge. We're talking about fantasy football, and yeah. I whooped you. Whooped you. Uh-huh. You wanna know how I know I whooped you? The matchup has already been decided, and I still have two players playing tonight. What you doing if they combine for negative eighteen? Yeah, because that's gonna happen. <laughs> But imagine it does, though. Elijah Mitchell gets zero yards, fumbles four times. Yeah. Rondell Moore, you know, negative 70 receiving yards. Like, how, how is that going to happen? That is impossible, James. Crazy things happen. No, you're just <laughs> you're just butthurt that Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes dominated to be Jesus Christ reincarnated. I mean, I'm not all that butthurt. I'm still very much in the playoffs, so. As number four. Okay. Even if I beat you, I still would have been behind you, so it's not like I would have been able to jump ahead of you and get the bye week. Can we just relish in... Actually, you're number three, but... Currently number three, but I, if I'm not, mis- we, if I'm not can't mistaken... We, uh, can't we just relish in the fact Dalton's that I'm... going to win, so he'll be ahead of me. That so I'm second? Uh-huh. Can we just relish that fact for a second? And can you just let me have the moment? No. No, I, I know. You, you never let me have anything. It's no. fine. Because anytime you get something, you misuse it. I'm not, I'm not You're quite a child. sure what that's supposed to mean. You're a child. Okay. Anyways, how was your weekend, bud? You can't handle winning. Uh, it was okay. Uh, I'm still trying to get over being sick. Not feeling the greatest. Do you, do you, do you want 
Do you want some soup or, or something? Dude, all I've been eating is soup since Thursday. You think I want more soup? I have soup over there. You think I want more soup? Hey, I, I, I I'm just, do you th- do you really be, do you just, really think I want more? I'm just soup? trying to be a friend, man. God, what do you want? A greasy cheeseburger? Golly, if anything, I want a quesadilla. Well, then there's a Taco Bell right down the oh, road. It's not exactly what I want. I'd rather make my own. Well then. So you want to hear? Uh, uh, and, and obviously, we're going to get into a lot of sports because there's a lot of sports to get into. But you want you want to hear how 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 my weekend my weekend went? Sure, I <laughs> hung up my Christmas lights yesterday before Thanksgiving. Uh huh. Right. Okay. Bought three boxes of Christmas lights. All right. Neither end runs to the corner of my roof. So you still don't have enough. Correct. I, I started in. I was like, let me see how far it goes. And if I have to adjust it, I'll adjust it. So I started like, and when, when I say it's in, it's like six inches from the corner. Like it's not super far. Okay. And so it runs around because my, right by the front door, like the roof like jets out a little bit. So there's like a little archway that I had to go around. So you go around and you go down the line and then it, on the other end, it's like a foot short. So now I'm going to have to take everything down and redo it because I bought a fourth box that I haven't broken into yet. But like the point of this is that it's so frustrating to hang it up, realize that you did it incorrectly, and now you have to take everything down. Because, like, there, there's no way I can just, you know, scooch it over because then everything else is just going to come down. It's so frustrating. So I just had to, you know, vent about that. And I don't like the face that you're giving me. I don't really appreciate it. You're getting it no matter what. So, but anyways, let's let's get to sports. The reason that we're here. Uh, 337-706-0111. If you want to get in on the game hotline, look, LSU won. The Saints won. Who would have thunk it? We haven't talked about that a whole lot this year. Um, the United States drew in, in their first World Cup match. Against Wales, 1-1. The Cajuns lost. Not a shocker. McNeese won. McNeese finished their season on a three-game winning streak. Let's go, Pokes. They're killing it. Let's go, Pokes. That's how you end it. Against a rival like Lamar, you end it on a high note. You get you get the win. As Tad says, two words, permanent lighting. Yeah, well, you know. For for a first time homeowner. Well, well no, you don't own the home. Nah, home home home, home liver. Home river uh renter. Yeah, uh, uh I mean I didn't know how Christmas lights worked. God. I've never had to hang them before. Just kidding. I helped my mom when I was like twelve. Just that one time. <laughs> that one time. She didn't like the way I did it, so she would do it when I was at like basketball practice or something. But anyways, we're, we're, we're getting way off topic here. Um, on today's show at 4.30, we're going to do Tiger Talk with our guy Wilson Alexander. And then at 5.30, we're going to have a Saints recap with Ross Jackson of the Locked On Saints 
podcast. But James, I want to start. Actually, I want to get to before you get. Okay. I want to talk about what happened Friday night. I know it's not football related. I know we want to get to football, but really quickly, I want to talk about something that happened on the NBA in the NBA on Friday night. Are you going to talk about the fact that your Celtics beat the Pelicans? That's not what I was going to. Oh, okay. I was going to Giannis. Did you oh, see that? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like, Look. like, where where do you stand on that? Because if if you don't know what we're talking about, Giannis he was shooting free throws after they were playing the Sixers, right? Yes. In Philadelphia, correct. He was shooting free throws way after the game. People were packing up. Uh, people kind of wanted to leave. And I believe Montrez Harrell, he had told either the staff workers at the at uh, the Sixer Center uh, either were going to do their job anyway of like trying to take down the goals or whatever, or like they put a they put a big ladder in front of the for the goal, so it was blocking Giannis from shooting free throws because he was like four for fifteen that night from the charity stripe, so. He tells them to move. They don't move it. So then he goes back and throws the ladder across. And but before earlier, he was shooting free throws, and Montrez Harrell took the ball away from him after he like either made it or like it bounced off the rim or whatever. Correct. So people are kind of almost picking sides a little bit. Like let the man. Some people are saying either let the man shoot his free throws or go home, Giannis. And shoot at your place. So, here's... So, obviously, we're, we're not going to know the whole story. Right. That's a, that's a big majority of the story, though. What I have read and what I have gathered is that the Wells Fargo Center was hosting a concert the next night. Okay. And so that they needed to tear everything down... As soon as they could. So they get, could... So they could like get prepared so, right. for the concert. Okay. So apparently the workers were telling Giannis, like, look, we're sorry, but we got to get the goal out of here. And apparently Giannis was very, very upset. Now, again, don't know if that's the truth. Don't know if that's the whole story. Um, I did not, you know, look into the Wells Fargo Center event calendar to see if there actually was a concert the next night. Because frankly, I, I don't I don't care enough to spend that much time on it, but it, it definitely it's definitely a bad look for Giannis. Yeah, after just the other day, he gave his whole team and uh, coaching staff and like training staff uh, his new Zoom Freak Four or whatever. Right. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the just looking at the videos, I mean, it's not a great look for Giannis. No, whether there's context or not, because I don't. I don't care if you went four for 15 from the charity stripe and you just really want to shoot. If you want to go shoot and work back on it, go back to the facility and shoot. Exactly. Because fly back to Milwaukee. Not not only is it just a different NBA team, but it's the Sixers who you might see later on in the playoffs. And it may come down to you shooting some free throws at the Wells Fargo Center. Correct. So the fact that you're getting extra shots and you are like so appalled that they're not letting you is ridiculous to me because not every goal in court is the same. 
They right. don't they don't squeak the same. The rims don't the ball doesn't bounce off the rim exactly the same. Like it, like if you, it doesn't feel the same depending on what hoop you go to. So you getting every little advantage you can. Of course they're gonna kick you out. Not only are they put if if it's true with the concert are they trying to gear right for the concert but giving you any little strategic advantage. Well, right. Yeah. Because of course, of course they're gonna kick you out. Because because of who you are, you're going to be shooting a bunch of free throws anyway. You're bound to get to the charity stripe. So anytime you shoot free throws, whether it matters or not, that's an extra rep that'll go towards your advantage. And the Sixers don't want to lose because they they let you shoot on a Friday night in November some right. extra some extra free throws to get more used to that goal. Like, come on. So, you know, obviously moving on from that... Uh, Another interesting thing that happened over the weekend that we need to get into is looking at college football, looking at the number of teams that are bowl eligible. So currently, as it stands, you have 73 teams bowl eligible. Now you have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 teams that could become bowl eligible this weekend in the final weekend of the season. But here's where it gets interesting. There's 84 bowl spots. So say of those 17 teams that are bowl eligible, say only seven of them win. So that's 80 bowl eligible teams. That means four teams that are five and seven are going to get bowl games. James, what's your thought on that? Well, it sucks because you can't just kick a a sponsored bowl out. No, you can't. So, if anything, it sucks because the minimum is supposed to be six, but we've seen this before where they bend the rules and are like, mm, we'll, we'll let in some, some five mean, and seven teams in. What, what choice do you have? I don't like it, but, I mean, it's not like there's much you can do about it unless you're just like, look. And, and you know... People will will sit there. I've heard many people say, "Well, you know, the bowl system is saturated. There's too many bowl games," and you know, maybe I I agree. I do agree. There's way too many games because eighty percent of the time, how many teams do you look at and you're like, "This is a matchup I really care about." I mean, like how how many do you? Yeah, but you you can't always look at it from a national perspective. Look at it from that fan base's perspective. But here's here here's my thing. But in but in the grand scheme, well, how right. many people are going to be like 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 all like Toledo or whoever, and and they go six and six and they win the whatever bowl sponsored by Powerade. I don't know, like what whatever bowl are they going to be like? Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna re- we're gonna really hold on to this as a fan base for fifty years. I mean, if it's their first bowl win or their first bowl win in a long time, then I mean, yeah, you will. But regardless, here here's my point. You've already put in the 42 bowl games. You're not taking them away. No, you can't. You know how much money they bring in? Even those crappy You're, bowls that nobody wants to make, you know how much money they bring in? That's what I'm saying. You can't get get rid of it because you're, you're you can't not, lose money like that. You're not you're not just going to forfeit money. No, you're going to find 5 and 7 teams. That can play in a bowl game. That looked like they had a strong enough schedule to be like, look, even though you lost, 
You did have some nice yeah, wins. Yeah, you, you, you were 5-7, and seven, but, you know, three of your losses were by six or less points. Like, hey, there, here you go. Come on. Come come be a bowl team. Like, Get in there, bud. Uh, everybody, everybody gets a trophy, James, don't you know? Yes, participation. Everyone gets a trophy. But anyways, I, I digress on that hill. You can listen to all your favorite Christmas classics or local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. It's nonstop Christmas music 24-7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. You can listen live at Louisiana Christmas Channel or, excuse me, lachristmaschannel.com or download the free mobile app for both Apple and Android devices. Or you can even listen on your Amazon Alexa. So listen to Holiday Cheer with the Louisiana Christmas Channel. We'll take a time out here on Crunch Time. When we return, James and I will look deeply into each local matchup of the weekend, and we'll hear from Brian Kelly if there is time. We'll take a time out right here on Crunch Time. We'll be back after this on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You may debate which Thanksgiving side dish to serve this year. Green bean casserole or sweet potato casserole. Yummy. Classic stuffing or oyster dressing. Hashtag yummy. But there is no debate when it comes to who cooks up the very best sports talk. The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. There's no debate. It's green bean casserole and stuffing. If you don't have stuffing at Thanksgiving, I'm not coming. It's a good thing my in-laws aren't listening. Anyways, back to crunch time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. All right, let's let's get into the games of the weekend. Let's let's go in chronological order, shall we? Uh, we'll, we'll start with the Cajuns, as they fell forty-nine to seventeen to Florida State. I feel like this one could be kind of brief. Yeah, it, it's it, it's quick. Um, the first half was all Florida State. No, uh, no Chandler Fields. I mean, no Ben Woolridge. So yeah. you had to put in Chandler Fields. Who? So quick, quick update on Ben Woolridge. Uh, he tore his ACL in practice last week. Is is what the official word is. Uh, he tore his ACL in practice last week. Had surgery this morning, and. Um, at the time that we spoke with Michael Desermo this morning, he hadn't gotten an update that Ben was out of surgery yet, so we are still you know, unsure of that. But Ben did have surgery this morning to repair that torn ACL. But no, you, so Chandler Fields came in, first time he had started a game since you know week five, so it had been a while. So obviously a little rusty, a little nervous, all of that. And it was, I mean, it was all Florida State. Treshawn Ward gets two touchdown runs in the first half. Jordan Travis has two touchdown runs in the first half. Kenny Almendares hits a 24-yard field goal as time expires in the second quarter, 35-3 to at the half. Third quarter, you come back out. Backups are in. More Florida State scoring, 49-3 to at the end of the third. And then in the fourth quarter, the Cajuns were able to really, you know, string some offense together and and make the score a little bit more respectable than what it was looking. Uh, Michael Jefferson catches a five-yard touchdown pass from Chandler Fields, and then a couple minutes later, Chandler Fields had a five-yard touchdown run to make it 49-17. to You know, you look at the stats, James. Florida State had 440 total yards. The Cajuns had 291. So, I mean, not like far off, 
Yeah, but for the majority of the game, it was. Um, first downs. <laughs> you, you got garbage yards and garbage points. First, so. first downs were pretty close. Uh, time of possession was very close. You know, you, you, people people sit there, oh, you know, you got garbage points. Essentially, yes. But here's the thing. Florida State's backups are what the Cajuns see on a regular basis. So the fact that they were able to move the ball and put points on the board late in the game is actually quite encouraging heading into your regular season finale against Texas State. Because you need a win to get a bowl game. Because, yes, they're going to have five and seven teams, but I don't know that the Cajuns would be one of the five and seven teams selected. So just win a sixth game, get yourself a bowl, and be done with it. Uh, so they're going to have to do that this coming Saturday against Texas State. Kickoff from San Marcos will be at four o'clock. I like how I like how they had four different people pass the ball. Florida in, State in did. that game, yeah, yeah. Jordan Travis he only threw fourteen. Tate Roadmaker got one. So that in. was a, that was a trick play. Yeah. AJ uh, Duffy AJ was D- their backup quarterback. Yeah, and then uh, Gino, Gino English. English. Yeah, he came in and finished the game. Uh, and look how many people ran the ball. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> it's a list. It's like the injury. That's the Saints injury Oh, that's report. the Saints injury report. Absolutely. It, it was uh, It was interesting. to. Um, it was 10 different people. To say the least. Uh, I, I was impressed that Florida State was only able to sack Chandler Fields four times in, in the game. Uh, that's a that, that's a pretty. I mean, it's not a it's not a great number, but with the defensive front that Florida State has, you, you certainly could have expected it to be more. Uh, so that was that was somewhat encouraging. You know, look, this was one of those games where you wanted to be competitive, you wanted to stay healthy, and you you do a magical thing called take the money and run, and that's exactly what you did. You stayed healthy. You competed ish and you took the money and ran. You 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 ran with the money. So, you know, now you, you look ahead to Texas State in a game that you need to win to make a bowl game. You know, it, it's as simple as that. It's win or go home. Uh according to head coach Michael Desermo today, he thinks that his team fares better in, in that situation. So Interested to see how this week and that game will play out. The McNeese Cowboys taking down Lamar 24-20 to last night. Lamar finishes the season 1-10, while McNeese finishes the season 4-7. and Deontay McMahon, what a nasty stat line. 20 carries, 239 yards, and 2 touchdowns. Both of his touchdown runs were 70-plus. He had a 70-yard touchdown run and a 79-yard touchdown run. Both of them in the second quarter, might I add. Uh, what a, just what a, what a guy. And, you know, you look at, you look at really all the touchdowns except for, for one of them. You know, the first touchdown by Lamar was a four-yard touchdown run. And then you had a 79-yard touchdown run by Deontay McMahon. And then two minutes later, you had a 78-yard fumble return for a touchdown by Micah Davey to make it 14-7. to 
And then Deontay McMahon had a 70-yard touchdown run. And then immediately after that, Lamar has a 98-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. It's like all the touchdowns in this game, except for one, were on big plays. So the fireworks were popping in Lake Charles. But look, you know, you talk about the Cowboys. They finished the regular season on a three-game win streak. No 4-7 and seven is not a pretty record. But... It's not how you start, it's how you finish. You you finished strong and you got something to build on for 2023. And I think for a first-year head coach, that's huge. Especially with all the new faces right. that came into the program. Yeah, because for, you had 58 new players come in this mm-hmm. year. And now and that was just Gary Goff's first year. I think you can build off this and not I I wouldn't necessarily say compete all the way for for the uh for the conference title, but I think you being competitive would be the next You'd, step. You and would then, definitely be in the mix. And then maybe by year three or four, that's yep. when you're like, okay, here's a serious Here's the serious chances now. This is where you start becoming having your best chances for, yeah. for for competing for the conference. And then lastly, LSU. You know, we'll get into it in a minute with Wilson Alexander. But just looking at the the scoring summary, you traded blows with UAB early. Uh, it was fourteen to ten, three seconds into the second quarter, and then at that point, you know, Brian Kelly kind of pulled everybody together and said, "All right, look, you know, we we let them have their fun. Let's go finish this." We, we, we let them feel good about themselves. We let them hang around. Let's go finish this. Yeah, they had a really nice kickoff to start the game. Yeah. to And then score three, four plays later, and then LSU scores again, but then they gave up another field goal because the Blazers were actually kind of building off of that, that first drive. Oh, absolutely. So my I was sitting next to my dad, and he was – he was kind of worried. He's like, "Man, they're think, not stopping him right now. What's going on?" And then I think, they they buckled I think, down. I think UAB was a better team than most LSU fans gave them credit for. To be fair, um, you know, you you look at it. Yeah, they came into this game with with a record of five and five. But, but for for me, it's not that I didn't think that UAB wouldn't score any points. I, I thought they would put up a little bit of a fight. I didn't expect it to be like this, but even when it was seven seven or fourteen ten, I still had, I still didn't lose any sort of faith that LSU was going to win by at right. least three touchdowns. Right. But yeah, I mean, you look at their, you looked at their record and go, oh, they're five and five, they're terrible. Well, all five of their losses were seven or less. Were by seven or less points. You lost by six to UTSA. You lost by seven to Florida Atlantic. You lost by three to Western Kentucky. You lost by four to Rice. You lost by seven to Liberty. So I mean, no, they they aren't they aren't a great team. But I I think especially early on, you know, you look at Dwayne McBride. McBride's one of the top running backs in the country. He definitely is. But also looking at LSU, they didn't have quite a few of their players. They didn't. They didn't. Kayshawn Booty was and out. And you also saw some uncharacteristic fumbles. Of course, the, I, I, I put that more on the weather than anything else. Uncharacteristic? Well, you haven't seen a bunch of turnovers from LSU in a while. And it was and, and it was the way of how the fumbles happened. Like, you look at John Emery's first fumble, it just kind of it just popped well, out. Because John Emery has a fumbling problem. And that's, why, and that's why, you know, 
you, you've seen less and less of him in the offense because he has a turnover problem that hasn't been fixed. Um, and, and so you, you went to him because... But I'm, I'm talking more as of late. Well, right. Like, I, I haven't seen him fumble like that in a while. Because... Well, it's also because you haven't seen him. I haven't. Much. I haven't seen him a, a vast majority of the time. But still, whenever I do see him, I'm like, right? No, I, I, I haven't. I haven't been scared that he's fumbled, and all of a sudden, you you just see it all of a sudden pop out. Josh Williams was out of this game. Um, I, I think that was precautionary more than anything. I think so too. Um, Armani Armani's good, out for the he's year. out for the year with an knee injury, and then you know you had Noah Kane and and John Emery. Look, you know, you, you could take what you want out of this game. At the end of the day, LSU won, and, and that's what's important here because you're at a point where you can't slip up going forward. So now LSU's 9-2. and two. They've got A&M this Saturday. You win that one, you're 10-2, and two, riding high into the SEC championship game against a Georgia team that showed this weekend that you know, maybe, maybe you could beat them. Who knows? The game wants to stuff your stocking with a $500 Visa gift card. It's the Christmas Comers Early Sweepstakes presented by Armentar Jewelers. Simply enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $500 Visa gift card, and it's that easy. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes powered by Armentar Jewelers and the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We'll take a timeout. Wilson Alexander joins us for Tiger Talk next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana sports station near home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Johnson throws. Boutte's got it wide open at the 10. Far side. He's in for the score. Hit high. Hammered to left field. Going back. Taking a look. is Holcomb. And it's gone. Time to talk all things Bayou Bengals with the advocates, Wilson Alexander. Here is Tiger Talk on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Wilson, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you all today? Oh, doing well, man. Thanks for asking. Look, 41 to 10, got the win over UAB. You know, just kind of give me your, your overall thoughts in a game where the Tigers were largely expected to win the game. They did exactly what they needed to do in this game, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You know, coming off a, a day in Arkansas in which, you know, Arkansas had a really good game plan, but as Brian Kelly said, after the win over UAB, some of it was also just what LSU uh, did not do in that win over the Razorbacks that was so close. Um, they came out on the offensive side, and, and Jaden Daniels in particular really, really played well. Um, Brian Kelly said his preparation was uh, much better uh, throughout the week going into UAB. And they were able to pull ahead for a very really, uh, comfortable win um, on a day when a lot of other contenders struggled. Uh, LSU just took care of business the way it needed to against a team like you said it was expected to be. So we talked about you talked about Jay Daniels having a great game, and he did over 400 total yards of offense, two touchdowns, took care of the football. You know, one guy that really stands out to me though is look at the performance of Noah Kane. I mean, 76 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, he even got the game ball in the locker room. Talk about Noah Kane and his performance Saturday night. Yeah, it was just steady and productive. You know, LSU trusted him at the goal line. It, it got right down to the, the you know, just needed a couple yards to score on those three occasions where he got in the end zone. And Noah does a good job of playing behind his pads, getting downhill, 
um, and he's physical, and so it's hard to bring him down right at the goal line. Uh, we saw him used in that way right at the beginning of the year, but then he fell behind in the rotation uh, behind Josh Williams and John Emery and then Armani Gouin when he was, been, when he was healthy. Of course, Armani is now out for the year. Um, but Noah, with an opportunity for more touches because Josh was, uh, was out for that game and now Armani's out for the year, he really made the most of them. I mean, he's not super flashy. He doesn't get, like, make a ton of big cuts and make people miss like you might find from Emory and even from Williams to an extent. Um, but he kind of just keeps rolling downhill and is uh, probably really good in the second half to have him, especially if you're trying to wear down on a defense because of his physicality. Malik Neighbors was a guy who, you know, he, he's been a difference maker time and time again this season, but he really showed up in the absence of Kayshawn Booty Saturday night. Talk about Neighbors and the way that he was able to just kind of spread the field out for the Tigers. Yeah, Malik stepped up with an opportunity to really be the clear primary target. Jaden went to him early and often. Uh, Jaden's first two passes were to Malik Neighbors, and the, the second one was just that gorgeous uh, 47-yarder down the right sideline. Maybe the best pass Jaden has thrown in an LSU uniform, um, and Malik was right there for it. Uh, he had a couple other really big uh, receptions downfield, uh, three plays over 20 yards for him. Um, and he was, you know, we hadn't seen uh, really one receiver take off this year. Jaden Daniels spreads the ball around a lot. Malik Neighbors, though, has always been talented enough to be a clear number one. Um, and it, it just sort of reinforced that he has continued to improve and, and get better as a sophomore. And it was a, a really good day for him, the first time over 100 yards this season. Uh, didn't get in the end zone, but, I mean, he had over 100 yards before the half um, and gave LSU something at wide receiver, um, even with Kayshawn out. You know, the the defense, Ali Gay, Micah Baskerville, Harold Perkins Jr., there's a lot of big names on this defense. It, it feels like Saturday night you, you got contribution from everybody instead of one player just really stuffing the pad sheet. You know, talk about talk about this group and, and the way that they were able to play against UAB. They did exactly what they needed to do, which was stop the run. Uh, UAB came into this game with Dwayne McBride uh, leading the country in yards rushing per game at 156. He hadn't been held under 100 yards this season. Also second in the country in rushing touchdowns with 17. And then McBride got into the end zone on the very first drive, which was, of course, set up by a special teams mistake on the uh, kickoff return. Uh, The LSU held him to 34 yards on 13 carries. I mean, he averaged 2.6 yards a carry. Uh, they did a great job uh, of stuffing him at the line of scrimmage, not letting UAB ever get the run game going. And then once it's passing game, which started off rather surprisingly hot, uh, cooled down again, uh, there was just no way for UAB to stay in the game. And it was everybody, like you said, contributing to that. Ali Gay had a sack. Um, Harold Perkins had two tackles for loss. Greg Penn was all over the field again. Micah Baskerville you still saw. You saw B.J. Jolari some. The defensive tackles played well. So it was really just everybody in that front. Uh, you know, all sort of chipping in and contributing and doing their job, which is one of the things Brian Kelly mentioned after the game uh, as a reason for LC's run defense, but also one of the reasons he was just proud of this team this week um, was just that everybody was doing their job, holding each other accountable, you know, rainy, cold night in Tiger Stadium, hard to get up maybe for a, an opponent that doesn't have like instant name recognition and, you know, not an SEC premier team, um, but just everybody doing what they need to do. Wilson Alexander joining us here on Crunch Time. You know, looking ahead, you got A&M as the final game of the regular season. A&M has had their struggles, to to say the least. Uh, you know, they, they even struggled for a half or so with, with, with UMass over the weekend. Uh, talk about this matchup on paper. 
you know, what what can fans expect from this trip to College Station? Well, Texas A&M hasn't scored more than 30 points against a Power 5 team this season. Uh, this is an offense that has just been awful, uh, to put it lightly. I mean, they're averaging 21 points per game. That's 108th in the country. Um, it's just been really bad on the offensive side of the ball for Texas A&M this year. Um, and while there's some talent on defense and they've been able to keep games at least uh, you know, relatively close because of that, um, it's just been a really a real struggle for the Aggies on the offensive side, and that's uh, probably the big reason that they're you know four and seven. Uh, Brian Kelly said a lot today that you know this is still a talented team. Um, you know, maybe he's trying to boost it up to his players that you know we can't overlook these guys, even though their record is what it is. Um, but he said that you know it's uh, his quote was they don't have the wins they wanted, but all they need is one, and that's to beat LSU. And he's trying to to avoid that. There was a Texas A&M player a few weeks ago. He said he said quote that they wanted to piss in their cornflakes, uh, they being LSU at the end of the year. And so they're going to be getting up for this game. It's their last one because um, they're probably, you know they're not going to be bowl eligible. And so LSU wants to avoid any sort of uh, you know big rise out of Texas A and M um, by continuing to take care of business. It's a team. It's a LSU's favorite on the road for a reason. Uh, it's because that was the struggles on the offensive side. But Kelly still thinks there's some talent over there. Yeah, you know, the, there's definitely some talent, but you know, this is. You kind of touched on it. This is a game that that LSU needs to win if they want to keep their playoff hopes alive. And uh, like you mentioned, they just they can't overlook a uh, what what appears to be a, a depleted Texas A and M team because if you look back at it earlier in the year, this is the same team that took Alabama to the very final play. Yeah, there's some stuff there that that you know, and this is also the team that signed the number one recruiting class in the country. And Kelly said when he was sort of looking at Texas A&M, one of the things he said about it is it's a young t- football team, but a very talented football team, but it's young. And it's because a lot of those top recruits, they're freshmen, you know, and um, this is a team that you can't just overlook, especially going on the road. Um, it's a team that will be quite motivated, like we sort of said, to, pull, to try to knock off LSU and, and kind of put a nice little cap on its season. Um, there were, I mean, it beat Arkansas and, it had some opportunities to maybe turn its season around and things got out of hand because like they've just been really, really bad on the offensive side. Um, but there's still some talent there. And, I mean, Devin Achain and Evan Stewart on the offensive side, they didn't play against UMass, but um, there's a lot of optimism from Texas A&M that they will be able to go against LSU, and LSU's going to have to pay attention to them in particular. All right, Wilson, before we wrap up, Thanksgiving's this week, so i got to ask, ham or turkey? Turkey, definitely turkey. And then favorite Thanksgiving side dish is what? Sweet potato casserole. My mom's uh, she got a recipe um, that she found in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution years ago. It was marketed as Emmett Smith's uh, sweet potato casserole recipe. Um, you know, the Emmett Smith, and we've made it as long as I can possibly remember, and it's delicious. It's got a great pecan topping. Um, it's fantastic. Got to have that every year. Oh, man, you're going to have to send that to me. I can. I, I will do so. Wilson Alexander of The Advocate joining us here for Tiger Talk. Wilson, appreciate you taking the time, man. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and uh, we'll talk to you next week before the SEC Championship game. Thanks for having me. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. Tune in next week for another edition of Tiger Talk here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Helpful tip for a tremendous Thanksgiving number 22. Bringing canned cranberry sauce to the family feast is not acceptable.
So leave the canned purple stuff on the shelf. This helpful tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. That splooge is absolutely disgusting. I don't know. You? You bring that purple junk to my house. I'm showing you the door. It doesn't belong. We will engage in fisticuffs. It does not belong. If you, if that's the only thing you bring, that is below the bare minimum. It is slimy. It smells funny. Doesn't even <laughs> taste good. And I like cranberry. Like cranberries? I like cranberries. Yeah, cranberry juice is nice. That cranberry sauce crap. Don't you bring that to my house for Thanksgiving. Don't do it. Bring. Uh, I'd rather you bring utensils. I've seen. <laughs> I'm serious. Bring bring the Thanksgiving themed napkins. Bring the napkins. I don't care. Don't bring that crap. No, but uh, I completely agree. Looking Mm-mm. looking at what happened yesterday, though. Not not with the Saints because we're gonna get more towards the Saints in hour number two. But I want to talk about what happened with the Saint or the Patriots Jets game. Did you see what happened at the end? I mean, uh, I saw that it was an absolute nightmare. Offensively, yeah. I yeah, mean, what was the final score? Ten to three. Yeah, ten to three. The Patriots scored a punt on an eighty-four punt return right. touchdowns with five seconds left. That you want to you want to you want to know how many yards the Jets had the whole second half? Wasn't it two? Seven. 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 I, I knew it was below ten. On 26 plays? That's lovely. That's lovely. Do you know... Zach Wilson, the quarterback for the Jets, mm-hmm. he got asked post-game... The, 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 the Cougar lover. Oh, yeah. Abs- yeah, he's got that dog in him, okay? Do you know what he got asked... Or do you know what he responded with when he was basically asked, do you feel bad that you wasted your team's defense like a really good performance by them like uh do you feel like you let them down you know what he said he probably said no no he didn't he didn't feel bad at all that his offense his unit that he leads because he is the quarterback for under 100 yards i think they had about 93 total yards of offense on the whole day do you feel bad that you didn't do anything on offense, and y'all didn't put up points. No, no, well, I don't. Well, I don't feel bad at all. Could could that be that now? Um, Brees Hall was the only thing that was making that offense function. Could that be that now Robert Sala is saying that he is not committed to Zach Wilson being the starting quarterback next Sunday? Yeah, because he sucks. Well, I, I mean, w- I don't recall ever being too hopped up on him. As a prospect, because I looked, I was like, everybody was going goo goo gaga over his him rolling left and throwing deep at his BYU. Uh, uh, what is it? Pro day? What's yeah, it? yeah, his pro day at BYU. Everyone was going goo goo gaga. I was like, this kid's mid, and it further proved it once he got to New York because he has not done very much very often over there. Mid. Especially, especially this year, 
mid. Is mid too much of a compliment? No, I I think mid might be too harsh. I mean, no, the guy has not been great, but are we are we really gonna say that he is that he's mid? So yes, I, I will. I let me let me in the NFL. Yes, he has been mid. He was a he was a good prospect in college. He sure, was a, he was a dog at BYU. That dude was a dog. But I and I get it. You you need more time than just less than two years for you to become that guy. Because even last year he didn't have a great offense to work with. But as soon as Brees Hall went down this year, that offense has done nothing. He's been throwing terrible interceptions. Him trying to throw it away still ends up being an interception. Have you seen those? Oh, I know. Oh, I know. It's been awful so far for Zach Wilson. Look, I mean, and and to and, and to further submit that, I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad at all that we wasted our defense's really good game by us putting up three points ourselves. Really? That that shows a that shows a a, a vast lack of maturity. So so what what Zach Wilson needs to do is somebody needs to enroll. Get him. good. Well, y- yes, and take accountability. What they really need to do is they really need to enroll their starting quarterback in some PR classes. Because I because I remember listening to the Jim Rome show. Uh, uh, we don't have enough time. Enroll the man in some PR classes. We'll continue this conversation at the start of the second hour. We'll take a timeout. Hour number one of the books. Hour number two after this top of the hour sports update. Right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And it is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. When big bucks are on the line, serious hunters know they can trust MB Ranch King hunting blinds. There is no substitute. Whether you're an avid hunter or a first-timer, MB Ranch King blinds and feeders are built to last so you can focus on your next... You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of Crunch Time, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. You know, we, we were talking about Zach Wilson a second ago. Look, so let's let's do this, James. You're you're the NFL guy of the group. So let's have let's have some fun here. Let's do this. Are we gonna do like a would I rather Zach Wilson edition? No, no. Uh, cause, cause I am pick... going to name an NFL quarterback. And an I... NFL starting quarterback. And you're going to tell me where you would rank them. Okay. Well that's a l okay. Do I have to give an exact number or could I say no, like top like, five? Like, top like 15? We'll, we'll do it in tiers. Okay. Like elite. Uh-huh. Good, mid, would use him below mid, average, <laughs> below average, and then Zach just Wilson sucks. Okay, and then and then there's Zach Wilson, Lamar Jackson, oh elite, Josh Allen elite, Joe Burrow elite, Deshaun Watson 
I haven't seen him in a couple years. His last year he played, he was elite. Uh, but I would put him right now in good. Russell Wilson. Uh, mid. Davis Mills. Uh, below average. This says Sam Ellinger, but I'm going to say Matt Ryan because he's currently the starter. Yeah, he's, so Matt he's Ryan. back. Uh, mid. Trevor Lawrence. Good. Patrick Mahomes. Elite. Derek Carr. Mid. <laughs> Justin Herbert. Oh, elite. Oh my God, you have a lot of elite quarterbacks. Hey, man. <laughs> there aren't going to be too many more. <laughs> Tua Tungavailoa. Uh, he's good. He's good. Mac Jones. Mid. Zach Wilson. Terrible. <laughs> Below average. <laughs> I, I I don't think he's good. Kenny Pickett. I thought you said Katy Perry. Uh, Kenny Pickett. Uh, right now he's below average, but that's just because he's a rookie and he's still learning. Like he he's got room to grow. He he could become mid to good, but I'll say for right now below average. Ryan Tannehill. Uh, below average. Marcus Mariota. Below average. Kyler Murray. Good. P.J. Walker. He's had some solid games. Uh, God, it's 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 the lower end of the mid tier, or the higher end that's of really, the that's below really average. Really stacking up for you, isn't it? Why that area is really starting to stack up for you? Yeah. Uh, so, well, it's just how, what was PJ's last game? Because they were actually talking about uh, like kind of keeping him. Uh, I'll I'll say. Bottom, like the absolute bottom of the mid tier. Oh man. Okay. Justin Fields. Uh, he's upper, he's starting upper mid, upper mid, upper mid. Like he, like if you can get him some more tools to work with, yep. and like he starts developing more, he can get to good. Dak Prescott. <sighs> oh come on. <laughs> really? Uh, lo- lower end of good. Okay, that's fair. Lower end of good. That's fair. Jared Goff. Mid. He's, Aaron, in, he's in the mid of mid. Aaron Rodgers. Mid. Matthew Stafford. Mid. Kirk Thuggin. <laughs> Kirk Thuggin. Uh, what part of the day are we talking about? <laughs> Kirk Cousins is uh, what? Mid. Andy Dalton. Below average. Oof. Danny Dimes. Um. Lower tier of good. Jalen Hurts. On the higher end of good. Trey Lance slash Jimmy G. Mid. Geno Smith. Is it... I. I really do. Are we talking about this year? Yes, alone like this year. Oh, then, well, that I feel like that almost changed a lot of things. Uh, we'll say lower end of good. Tom Brady, because I'm gonna move Danny to. I'm gonna move Danny Dimes more towards mid. If that's if it's only this year. Yeah, only looking at this year. Who was who's the one you choose? Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Oh God, mid. <laughs> Taylor Heineke. Mid, eh, below average. The, I don't. They the dude, they've been on the a dude real, hands the dude hands the undefeated team their first loss and he's below average. 
Yikes. Was he a was he a real standout in that game? I don't remember I don't, the stats. I didn't watch the game. I don't know. But so let, let's go back through this. So you have Lamar, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, all three at elite. Yeah. As well as Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. That's five quarterbacks. If if I if if it's only this year, I'd have to put Justin Moore in the good. Okay. That's what I was. That's, that's that's what I was saying. Is I thought we were looking. No, no, no. Now and 20, what what we could see. Twenty twenty two. Herbert's been good. Okay, so four QBs in the elite category, and then you had Russ. You you said Russ was mid. Yeah, which Russ is has been that's mid. very fair. Um, the one that kind of surprised me out of you is Kenny Pickett. I thought you were going to absolutely trash Kenny Pickett. Well, I did. Like I said, he's he's been okay at times. He actually had a pretty solid game yesterday. But overall, the offense as a whole has been not so good. But I have seen some good things the last couple of weeks from him, to where it's like, okay, well, like I said, you're still below average. You're you're still not that that good. But you're learning. You're you you are kind of taking a turn. This guy, staying on the topic of yeah, I don't, I don't think Taylor Heineke going seventeen for twenty nine, barely two hundred yards, and a pick is worth him being in the, in the in the good or mid category. I was gonna at least give him lower mid, but I feel I, like I've said lower mid I like dig- five times. But I, di- I digress. After the Saints win yesterday over the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams. Dennis Allen met with the media as well as Andy Dalton, Chris Olave, Demario Davis, and Taysom Hill. And here was Dennis Allen on his plan for Taysom Hill. No, the plan going in was to to get Taysom involved. Um, you know, and and so uh, as a matter of fact, I think Andy got a little frustrated throughout the week that we had so many plays where Taysom was in at the quarterback position, but. Um, that's the great thing about our group. You know, our group just wants to win, and they'll do whatever they have to do to uh, to try to win. And, and and that was something that we felt gave us a good chance this week. And um, our guys went out and executed it. It is absolutely incredible what happens when you when get you, your playmakers the ball. <laughs> well, not only that, because that's very true. But James, when you listen to us, you and I need to put in a application I, I guess for us to be a tag team head coach oh dude you'd piss me off <laughs> you know the you know the old movies where you have like the 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 conformed are you twins? more of a are you oh why are you making that comparison like but like not not to that extreme but like two people in are one? you are you more of a defensive guy or an offensive oh, i'm an guy? offensive guy oh we're gonna have such conflicting i'm an offensive viewpoints guy. we can't know I'm such an offensive guy. No, we can't. We're, it's not going to work. And out. my offense is very simple: run a counter. I like how that's. I like how that's the first point of your offense is run a counter. Okay. Run a play action. Mm, just a play action. A play. Any play action play. Just play action. Just just one time. Right. Right. Hear hear me out. Screen play. And in order. In this order. 
That's your script that plays every time. Yeah. Counter. Counter. Play action. play action. Screenplay. Pitch. Deep shot. What are we in elementary school? Look. Where they're not going to be like, oh, let me recognize, oh, this is the second play. By the way, there's going to be a play action. So like, don't bite on the on the uh, on the handoff fake. It, it's like Novocaine. Give it time. It always works. Do you do this on Madden? It always works. Is this what you do on Madden where you're like, oh, where's my halfback counter? <laughs> it always works. And so does streaking the inside receiver when you run a three three receiver set to the well, left. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's going to work in real life. <laughs> Obviously, James, I've never been a football coach. I don't know what plays to call. I just it was, hope it works. It was just so funny that you started off with a halfback counter. You just said a counter. Just a counter. Just a counter. A counter. Out of the I formation, out of the pistol, out of the shotgun, I don't care. Just run a counter. This, this guy. You're awful. Listen, listen to me. You're, <laughs> what do you you're think, terrible. What do you think the record of my team would be? Oh, and whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> whatever game we're at at that point, 75, oh, and 75. Oh, my God. 337 <laughs> is the game hotline. And as a reminder, here at Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast at Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. But, you know, looking at it, you, you look at some games from around the the country in, in college football, and you know one team that's really been impressive that I don't think we've talked about enough is is Tulane. I mean, dude, Tulane. Did you see them put fifty nine on SMU the other night? Fifty nine. That's so in, insane what they've done. And then you look at Ohio State almost losing to Maryland. I mean, if it wasn't for a scooping score at the end of the game, it would have only been a 36-30 to final. Georgia had to escape from Kentucky. Michigan had to escape from Illinois. TCU had to run off to beat Baylor. I mean, you had some juggernauts struggle on Saturday. It was an impressive week, and we'll get to that more in just a second. Ralph, what's going on, bud? How are you? Hey, man, how's it going? Doing well, sir. What you got? Well, with the Saints, I just wanted to say, you know, um, I mean, obviously, I still think this is a, a real uh, uphill battle. So I'm not even going to mention the, the E word or, or uh, any of that. But I just, you know, I'll be honest with you. When, when they made the trade on, on draft day to move up, and, and when I looked at the capital they, they gave up to, to draft Chris Olave and, and um, you know, I, Trevor Penning in some regards, but I was like, man, I'm not sure if a receiver is really worth that. But, look, I know it's a small sample size so far, but, man, it sure looked like it was worth it. That that guy, to me, is special, and, and he's doing it with, let's face it, you know, a washed-up second-string quarterback, uh, <laughs> or say, you know, not say washed-up, but better days behind him, let's put it that way, and uh, – you know, on an unhealthy Jameis Winston for the first few games. And, man, Olave is just, I mean, he, I just think he's spectacular, man. And, and I, if he keeps it up, um, uh, that those picks will definitely have been worth it, uh, unlike some of the number ones we gave up in the past, you know, to move up. But, um, 
But, hey, uh, and another thing I wanted to mention is, have you ever seen a team, though, seriously, like even in a victory, that, and I want to celebrate, but how unlucky can, can you be when Peyton Turner is finally starting to produce, he makes a great play, is kind of just getting up to maybe probably celebrate, and a guy falls right on his, his leg and, and now he's got an ankle sprain. You know what I mean? It's it's the, it's the, like it's Marcus Davenport 2.0. It's snake, but we just snake bit, man. You know, it, when it comes to that, if, we're actually down to I was reading two healthy right now defensive ends, and uh, that's Carl Granderson, who really doesn't you know impress me that much, and and the guy I can't pronounce his name from Kansas City, passing a guy or whatever. Uh, that's our two defensive ends. Yeah, we lost Taco Charlton, who was on the practice squad. He got picked up this week, so unless. Um, uh, Cam comes back with his eye. I don't even know what his eye injury entails or how long he might be out, but, man, we're unbelievable oh, how the injury bug just continues to bite us, you know. But um, anyway, I, I, enjoying the victory, I, I, it was nice to see some um, – it's nice to see us actually use the playmakers. You know, I know it – you know, regardless whether Andy Dalton was happy or not, was splitting snaps with Taysom, Taysom Hill at – it worked, you know, um, but, man, uh, you know, it, we just have to. And I, I also saw where Rashid Shaheed actually had the most snaps of any wide receiver for the whole game. So he's actually now, I guess, being used a lot as a decoy on, on, on deep routes to open up things underneath. But, um, look, it will never make up for the NOLA no-call, but that's just one one small piece of redemption to, to beat the Rams. So I was I was very happy with that. Yeah. Anyway, Matt, thanks for thanks for alerting me too uh, that the uh, World Cup was actually on. I totally forgot about that. And of course as soon as I tune in, Wales scores the goal. So Okay, yeah, so so go, that means know. so that means you go back to not knowing when it is, Ralph. Hey, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll do that. <laughs> appreciate you. appreciate you, man. So yeah, you know and, and and you're right on about the Peyton Turner thing. It, it, it's just really been a, a string of bad luck uh, for for the Saints. But luckily, you know the injury is not as serious as it appeared because when they when they wheel the card out, you're like, oh no, like that's that's never a good thing. And for it to only be an ankle sprain, I mean it, it, that's that's pretty good news for for Peyton Turner. Um, but yeah, you know, you're you're down to passing yo and Carl Granderson. Cam Jordan, I assume, would be back on Sunday. I can't imagine that his eye injury is I can't assume it, it would be long term. Serious enough to where he has to miss multiple games. Um so you you hope to have him back. The the story has been that, that Marshawn could come back this Sunday, if not the, the week after. Um so I mean, here over the next couple of weeks, you should get some some key pieces back to go down the back stretch. And you know, it, it's crazy. We're sitting here at four and seven. The playoffs are still not out of reach. Like this team could still have a nice run down the back stretch and make the playoffs. Playoffs. I mean, let's think about that for a second. Could you imagine the season that we've had? And all the moaning and griping that we have done to make the playoffs be huge. Would be it would be one it would be worth a movie. That story would be so nuts. That's moneyball in football, is what it is. It's unreal that that, that would happen. But uh, you know, in any ways. 
getting getting away from that for for just a moment. If you're looking for great stocking stuffers for the holiday season, then look no further than the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score some excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cyrus Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, also at Cyrus Bayou Casino Resort. But you can only score these great stocking stuffers by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. We'll take a timeout, and when we return, we will talk some more Cajuns as well as the Saints and LSU, and we'll even discuss the big win for the McNeese Cowboys a little bit further. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Helpful tip for a tremendous Thanksgiving, number one. Don't drop a fully frozen turkey into the deep fryer. So please, do us all a favor and don't blow up your house this Thanksgiving. This helpful tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Back here on Crunch Time, Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 24 after the hour. Brian Kelly met with the media following their win over UAB. And he had a lot of praise to give to the offense as well as the defensive performance. And... He talked about how this team was able to play one of their best complete games of the season. It's it's been just a, a process for us that got better and better as we were consistent and we built trust with the team. And that's what this is about. It's it's you're building trust, you're building uh, relationships, and that takes time. It just doesn't happen overnight. My first meeting, I said, listen, you're going to have to trust me, and it's not going to happen today. It's going to happen over my, my words and deeds. I'm going to have to back it up, that what I say I mean and uh, that's going to take time. Uh, my actions and what I do and how I do it to, to put you in the best position uh, for you to be successful both as a student uh, and as an athlete is going to take time. And my actions will help you trust me. And so that takes time. And over the period of time, we've been able to build that trust. And uh, we've gotten to the point where the accountability level is is where they can come out on a night like tonight and and play one of their best games. Keyword there was time. He said time a lot of times. So in in case you couldn't pick that up, the 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 keyword there was what James? What was it? The theme is time. Okay, cool. I'm just making sure that somebody else picked up on it, not just me. Uh, Brian Kelly also talked about the preparedness of his quarterback, Jaden Daniels? Well, you know, I don't know that we were lacking confidence at all. We, we wanted to bounce back from what we felt was offensively a less than our best game. And I think Arkansas had something to do with it, but we had something to do with it. And Jaden prepared really well. And this, you could make the case that this was his best game of the year. He pushed the ball down the field vertically. He saw things. Uh, he was assertive. I think he... I think he was responsible for over 400 yards. Anytime a quarterback does that, that's a pretty good day. So I think that 
that decisiveness, that assertiveness, um, and, and you could see it in this preparation. Switching over to McNeese now, once again winning their third straight game, 24-20 to over Lamar. Gary Goff met with the media following the contest, and he gave his initial thoughts on the contest. Yeah, I, I mean, I uh, couldn't be more proud of these young men. I mean, what an ugly night, you know, and uh, hats off to Lamar. Lamar came in and played extremely hard. Um, we, we knew it was going to be a battle all night long, and, you know, things didn't go our way. We, we, we couldn't throw the ball, um, you know, and uh, thought we did a really good job in the run game early on. And then uh, they, they pretty much just, you know, loaded the box, played zero coverage behind it. And, uh, you know, with the weather, we just didn't make any plays downfield, throwing the ball right there. But, um, you know, uh, a big play was the, their kickoff return. I really thought we had a chance to separate from them right there. And then uh, they answered with that kickoff return, which kept them right there in the ball game. And um, it was a slugfest uh, from there on out. Gary Goff also shared what it meant for not only him, but his program to win three games in a row at the end of the season. Well, it, it means everything. I, I mean, um, th- this team could have could have thrown in the towel halfway through the season easily, and they never did. We, we just continued to preach about our values, tough attitude and discipline, and um, how that, you know, the game of football is like life. Sometimes it doesn't go your way, and you, you got two choices. You, you can wake up every day and decide you're going to give it your best, or you can blame somebody else and say, you know, hey, we'll wait till next year. And I really thought this team continued to show up every day and attack no matter what happened. I mean, you think about the crazy injuries we had this season. I mean, we lost a, a star running back to a, you know, a torn ligament who just rushed for 160 yards. You know, uh, we, we lose our entire secondary. In one game, back-to-back drives, two starting corners, tear the ACLs. You know, uh, and, and it continued down that path all the way to the last game of the season you know, tonight with Cordell not playing and Tyler Barnes not playing. So, you know, they had every every excuse in the book to say this just isn't our year. And, and maybe it wasn't our year, but they, they learned how to play with each other. They learned how to care about each other. They learned how to come to work every day. And even when everything was stacked against us, just continue to focus on doing their job to their best ability. And um, that, that's going to pay dividends for us in the future as a program, and hopefully it pays dividends for these young men in, in their life. Okay, so going back to the Saints conversation, because we got a tweet from – a listener, and it says, why would you even want the Saints to make the playoffs? That Saints team would just be messing up their draft order because they would make the playoffs just to get blown out with a sorry roster. Okay, let's be honest about something. Oh, bud. Does the draft (laughs) order really matter once you get to, like, the second, third round? I, I feel like the draft order only truly matters for the first round. It get it gets more and more watered down. I would right. say right. So like as, as you go along, because if you don't have a first round pick, what does the draft order matter? Like a mid second and an early second, I, I, value wise, I don't feel like there's much difference there. I mean, it would help because also if you look, if you're trying to trade with a team, sometimes you're looking to trade and jump past another team. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like if you have the 16th pick in the fourth round, but the team that you're trying to jump has the 12th. But that's that's almost kind of nickel and diming. Right. So it it's not as big, but yes, it, it's still it still definitely waters down because once you get past the first round, I mean, it, it kind of gets crazy at, at that point because 
you don't know what's going to happen because you can project people, you can project players as a second, and they don't go to like the fourth or fifth, or you could project somebody as a fourth or fifth or like six, like I think Jalen Hurts was, and he goes mid second round. So, so to answer the question, why would I want the Saints to make the playoffs? Because I'd like to watch my favorite team play more games. I mean that that's like that's like saying God, I I really wish the Saints don't win a game this year so that they can get a first overall pick that may or may not work. Yeah, there, there's there's no guarantee. Like, which that's a that's another thing. Yes, most times the number one overall pick works out a good bit of the time. But there have been some instances, especially in you and mine life, our lifetimes, James, where guys haven't worked out. Eric Fisher. Jamarcus Russell. Jadavian Clowney. I mean, look ba- at other sports. Baker Mayfield. <laughs> look, look at other sports. <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Look, look at basketball. Anthony Bennett. Oh, Anthony. Where, where, where's that guy? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The guy was a number one overall pick, cashed a check for millions, got hurt one time, and disappeared from the face of the earth. No one knows where he is. His mom probably doesn't even know where he is. I mean, that's that's a stretch. I was like, gonna say Jesus. I mean, but like that's my point. Like, why would you say, "Oh, I, I hope we tank"? Like, I've never understood tanking. I don't understand it either. Yes, you get a chance at you have a better chance of getting the player that you want. Like, let's suck on purpose and take a flyer. That maybe this guy's the guy of our future. And also waste a year of your good player's career. Right. The guys you already have, let's waste a year of their time. Let's waste Marshawn. Let's waste like, the last year of Cam Jordan. Yes, I'm I know that we're four and seven, but yes, I'm trying to make the playoffs. That is the goal. Until I am told by mathematics that I can't, I am going to try to make the playoffs. But even then, You'd still want to try because you may be playing a team that is either right. trying to get in or like trying to solidify themselves as like the one seed nowadays. So sorry, roster or not, I'm still gonna try to make the playoffs. Even if we get destroyed in the wild card game, at least you know in April I could sit there and go, hey, well we made the playoffs. Like it's something to hang your hat on. Only 14 teams make the playoffs out of 32. So to be one of those 14. You know, pretty good company. Just saying. Anyways, your Alexa or Google Home speaker helps out around the house. It allows you to control your lights, your thermostats, and much more. But did you know that it can also play the game? Just ask Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana, and it's that simple. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. We'll take a time out. Ross Jackson joins us next for a conversation of the Saints win yesterday against the Rams right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Helpful tip for a tremendous Thanksgiving number 37. If you're eating your weight in fixings, then make sure you're dressed appropriately. So pull out the stretchy pants this Thanksgiving. This helpful tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
so b- before we get to Ross, because we're gonna have a great conversation with Ross about the Saints game, I- I- I've got to I- I've got to say this. We're-, we're talking about you know draft orders and, and you know uh, a mid second and a late second, not being or early second and a mid second not being much different because in the grand scheme, I mean yeah, there's there certain cases where those five picks can make a difference, but big picture, there's not much difference, right? So you can also still trade up. Trade up. So right. The 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 thing that I want to say to prove my point is we, we got another tweet from the, the same guy and you know said that the difference is Brees Hall and some random running back. Okay, and that's fair. Brees Hall was having a great rookie season until he tore his ACL. And then to further prove my point. I talk about this guy a lot, but it's true. Look at Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell played only 10 of the 17 games last season. Finished the the season 8th in rushing yards in the NFL. The guy was a late 6th rounder. Doesn't matter where you get picked. You get an opportunity and you make it. So... You know, yeah, getting a big name like Brees Hall would, would would be great. I'd rather make the playoffs and end up with an Elijah Mitchell in the draft than get a get a star running back that ends up getting hurt when he gets into the league. But I digress. Ross Jackson, buddy, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, guys. I'm doing well, doing well. Appreciate you having me on, as always. Sounds like an interesting conversation. The, the other one that I would, I would point out, if I may add to that conversation, actually, um, is if if the argument is in favor of trying to get the best second round pick that you can, if you look at the Saints drafts record over the course of the past, I mean, I guess you could say probably since 2017, maybe even beyond that, and you look at the way that they've hit on second round picks, most of those second round picks have been mid to late second round picks, not early second round picks. So as long as you're getting one or two of these selections in the top 64, you have a real opportunity with the scouting staff as good as it is in New Orleans to hit on whoever that prospect is. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, because the, the earlier we were talking about this wanting to see this team make a run down the backstretch and maybe even slide into the playoffs when the season's said and done because mm-hmm. that, that that's still in the cards technically – um and and, and we yeah. we were we were told that we shouldn't want this team to make the playoffs because they would just get dominated in in the first round and it would just ruin the draft order. Yeah, I, I don't think that you know, especially if, if you're you know the New Orleans Saints, I certainly don't think you look at it that way because I think you're also looking at trying to show that you are a winning organization, even if you finish with a losing record, right? Which is the type of thing that's going to pull. Yeah, you know, that's that's one way to look at it. Is, are, are the players that might make it in the NFL? The other part of it is to look at how you market yourself to the players that have already made it in the NFL and free agency, right? And if you sit there and say, "Okay, we're going to tank in favor of getting the best second round pick possible," which is something no team is ever going to do or anyone has ever heard of, uh, that's the type of stuff to where when you're looking at trying to build your roster with other veterans or maybe grab guys that you know you're trying to help develop that maybe didn't take off elsewhere that type of approach is something that's not going to be marketable 
to those meaningful free agents. And so if you want to make any kind of a push in free agency, you want to show you have a winning culture, you want to show that you have a team that can manage adversity, and you want to show that you have a locker room and a team that can stick together in the most dire of circumstances, particularly when facing the unexpected, which is what this New Orleans Saints team has. So I think you gain a lot more from making as best a push as you can toward the stretch part of the season here than you do um, trying to tank for the best possible second-round pick. I, I, I don't uh, That logic is off for me. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Let's look at yesterday's game, a twenty-seven to twenty win for the Saints. You know the offense was productive. They got Taysom Hill involved. Camaro ran the ball. It, it seemed like Camaro was running with, with more of a purpose than he has in, in recent games. You know, really looked like he was fighting for that extra yard each and every time he was running the ball, which was really nice to see. And then you hit a deep route with Chris Olave, which was much needed uh, in the Saints offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I would look at even um, Jarvis Landry, too. I think Jarvis Landry had a couple of plays. You know, there was the one play that, you know, no one's ever going to really talk about because it was just, you know, a red zone play to the far sideline that didn't result in a touchdown or anything like that. But he, you know, fought and fought and fought to pick up the extra two or three yards after the catch and then ended up, you know, being tossed out of bounds while still, you know, maintaining his footing and just really kind of got pumped up over the sideline. And I think moments like that, those moments that kind of, no pun intended, as his nickname is Juice, but that do give that juice to the rest of the team are, are, are those types of moments that you look for from a team in this in this situation, a team that's willing to fight, a team that's willing to go out there and um, you know be the best team that they can be out on the field. And I think you saw a lot of that. Uh, you saw a very diverse attack from this team as well. You can look at that from the quarterback position, of course, with Taysom Hill getting 17 snaps um, at, uh, under center, but they also ran you know, at least five plays from five different personnel groups in this one, one of the first times that they've done that this season. And so I think that, you know, you, you look at sort of the New Orleans Saints and what they've always been known for, and a big part of it is the diverse attack that their offense can, um, that their offense can deploy. And we saw them uh, find their way there uh, against Los Angeles Rams yesterday. You know, the, the defense was a group that played really well yesterday. You know, someone – to to me and James at least who really you know stood out and impressed was was Caden Ellis and it wasn't just yesterday you know mm-hmm. it's been the last couple of games where where Caden Ellis has really you know stepped up and, and carved out a role for himself almost to the point where the front office might have some interesting decisions to make about who's going to be in the linebacking core next year. Yeah, I mean, you know, some of it is going to be decisions that they'll have to make. Other parts of it is going to be, you know, marketing the the future to to a guy like Caden Ellis. I mean, 17 tackles combined over the course of the past couple of weeks for the solo or uh, or assisted. Um, on top of that, you add in, you know, two and a half sacks over the past two weeks. Uh, you know, a couple of few tackles for a loss, three quarterback hits. I mean, the guy's been outstanding. And you know, Demario Davis, who himself is probably one of the guys you can look at and say, okay, that guy used to be one of the best-kept secrets in the NFL. Referred to Caden Ellis in his post-game press yesterday when we spoke to him as the best-kept secret <laughs> across the NFL. And so I think that the way that you really look at this is that, you know, um, uh, DeMario Davis probably has a couple of years left just looking at, you know, where he is age-wise and everything like that. So really what you're looking at is the potential future of your linebacking core uh, beyond just next year. Uh, but, you know, pay, pay, uh, Pete Werner and Caden Ellis look like a pair that can really, you know, make some ripples and make some noise together if they're, if they're you know, the ones that are tasked with sort of carrying the post-Demario Davis torch. And that's a pretty good tandem that you've seen so far. And shout out to linebacker coach Mike Hodges for having all of these guys ready because that second level has probably been the most consistent 
piece uh, really across the entire New Orleans Saints team so far this year. And it was an overall really good win for all sides of the football, but what's what's one thing or like one stat that really stood out to you in yesterday's game? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think there are a couple. I think the first one that probably pops out to me is actually, no, actually, one that I think is really interesting is that uh, Rashid Shaheed, the, the young wide receiver, uh, undrafted free agent, who mm-hmm. you know, is super close to popping a couple of big uh, returns in both the punt and it, mainly the, the punt return game uh, yesterday. He ran the most routes of all the wide receivers yesterday. He ran 21 routes, one more than Chris Olave, who, of course, had the one that took the top off. But you look at separation that these wide receivers created, he led the way there in terms of separation on his targets, so not on a play-by-play basis, but on the plays that he was targeted. Chris Olave was second in that, or was third in that, um, and you know, Jarvis Landry was second in that. So, you know, the Saints have quickly flipped the script from a team that struggled to have its wide receivers create separation to having these three wide receivers that are really doing that, that are out there and getting that done. And I think that's one of those things that you, know, you look at, Andy Dalton putting together a career-high completion percentage, career-high passer rating, and then you look at the separation that these wide receivers are getting, and you're kind of going, oh, okay, well, yeah, no wonder why. So, uh, you know, and obviously Andy Dalton still has to make those passes. He still has to put them on, but it's just a far venture from what we have seen from the New Orleans Saints, particularly last season, that 2021 core uh, that struggled uh, to create separation and get away from defenders. This core is uh, doing a lot better job at that. You know, Ross, Jameis talked with the media yesterday, and, and he discussed how – you know, he had lost his job due to injury. And e- even though, you know, the, the, the mindset, you know, really around the league, and especially in New Orleans, is that that wouldn't have happened. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that situation? Yeah, look, I, I think probably the easiest thing to, to look at there is that obviously, you know, that, I mean, we, we'd like to say that that's the protocol around the league, but, I mean, you can get Carson Wentz over in, Washington, who also had it happen to him in Philadelphia. I mean, you know, we've also seen examples of it across the NFL as well. And, uh, you know, Kat Terrell of um, ESPN asked Dennis Allen about that earlier today. And, you know, DA didn't really want to go into details there or anything. But, you know, this organization, just like any organization across the NFL, is going to make decisions based upon uh, what they feel like is going to win them games. And if that's a decision that they feel like is going to win them games, whether we, whether we agree with it or not, um, is kind of, you know, that that's kind of up to them. So it's certainly disappointing, though, because you would expect that once Seamus Winston was or is healthy, depending upon where he is in that timeline, that he would get the opportunity to retain uh, that starting role. But if that ends up not being the case, then it, it just kind of becomes an unfortunate into his season in a way, right, where he got a couple of games in, tried to play through injury, and then ended up being replaced while injured. Um, you know, and so yeah, I, I don't know that there's necessarily a policy that's against it or or, or anything like that, as we have seen it uh, across the NFL before. But it's unfortunate, of course, to see that happen to you know a guy that that you root for um, here in the city and a guy that you you know that is uh, made some strides in terms of trying to revitalize his career. Wrapping up with Ross Jackson. All right, Ross. Thanksgiving is Thursday. Hammer turkey. Uh, I am a turkey guy uh, more than I am a ham guy for sure. I'm, I'm all about the poultry. And then favorite side dish is what? Uh, which one? There's some. Uh, I'm a mashed potatoes and gravy guy. I know it's kind of basic, but honestly, like, give me the staple, man. Like, I'm all about some mashed That's potatoes fair. and gravy. Um, I am a bigger fan of dressing over stuffing. I want it made on the side, not stuffed in the bird, though. So that is maybe a hot take. 
Huh. I don't know. Maybe some people feel different. No, I, I like that a lot as well. Interesting. So my, my, my family's my family's a little weird. They they make the stuffing, but then they leave it on the side. So for me, so okay, so so they they make it on the side, not in Correct. the bird, right? So to me, that would be I call that dressing as opposed to stuffing. For that's, me, it's stuffing if it's fair. like in the bird dressing if right, it's made right. on the side. If, I don't know. If, maybe if, that's right. just like a, a dumb colloquialism that I grew up with. But yeah, I'm all about the dressing, the the, the stuff that's on the side. I, I don't want to. Oh, I don't. I don't like it otherwise. Absolutely, green, <laughs> green bean casseroles up there as well. Oh, that's a good one. I, you know what? I'm gonna say I said it's a good one. I've never had it. That was just kind of like a reaction. But I've heard a lot of people love green bean casserole. I'm just not a casserole guy. Casserole's not really been in my in oh. in my like vicinity. It's not really a thing I've ever had. I don't we're, think I've ever had a casserole. We're we're, we're going to talk about green bean casserole. I, I, I'm going to send you a recipe, Ross. Don't you worry. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give it a try. I'll give it a try. <laughs> All right, Ross. Appreciate you taking the time, man. Have a happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you soon. Always, buddy. Right back at you. Y'all take care. Stay safe. Happy Thanksgiving, man. Talk to you soon. There he goes, Ross Jackson. We'll be back to wrap up the show after this right here on The Game. The world's biggest soccer tournament is back, and Fandle wants to help you get in on the action when America has now taken the pitch. Because when you bet on Team USA in group play, all customers can get free bets back if they don't win. All tournament long, Fandle has all of your favorite bets types, including some that are exclusive to soccer. Plus, just like any other sport, you can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payday with a same-game parlay. However you want to play, be sure to bet the red, white, and blue because all customers can get free bets back if Team USA doesn't win. Just sign up with promo code KLWB if you don't already have an account. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner, America's number one sportsbook. You must be 21 or older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. Refund issued is non drawable free bets that expire seven days after the receipt. Max free bet ranging from $5 to $100. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Our guest, Wilson Alexander and Ross Jackson, for joining us today. James, appreciate everything you do, as always. Tomorrow, we're going to talk a ton of football, as we do each and every day here on Crunch Time. And uh, we'll, we'll have a stacked guest list for you. I just know it. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. We'll see you tomorrow, same time, same station, right here on The Game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.